not to uh, piss off any Star Wars fans. Oh, no, go right ahead. Hi, my name is Ricardo Deacon. Hi, my name is Orla McNeilis. Welcome to the Recommendation Game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We watch it separately and then we meet to discuss it. This week's film was chosen by Orla. Sorry? (laughs) I said over Skype. (laughs) Over Skype, yes. Uh, uh, It's not like the old days. I shed a little tear every time you mistakenly say we meet to discuss it. Only when it's Kevin Costner. Yeah. <laughs> he warrants a transatlantic trip. This week's film was chosen by Orla. It is Pig. I'm looking for a truffle pig. Someone star. I don't understand. Tell me you are. You made the right choice being out there in the woods. There's nothing here for you anymore. There's really nothing here for most of us. Buy yourself a new pig. What are you thinking? I remember every meal I ever cooked. I remember every person I ever served. You live your life for them. And they don't even see you. You don't even see yourself. We don't get a lot of things to really care about. Who has my pig? So Orla, why did you choose P.I.G. Pig? Why am I getting flashbacks to uh, Candle's rap? L to the OG, dude be the OG, and he playing. I will not be inserting a club. Uh, yeah, so as I said in our uh, uh, Athor week, um, I had watched a lot of films at Christmas in very uh, quick succession um, that I kind of was led to believe were one thing and it kind of turned out to be something different, uh, mostly not in a bad way. Um, or maybe that, like they were built as a certain thing and then they sort of presented as something different. And I wonder if like maybe part of the thing with Peg was that I was bringing a lot of my own baggage to it or rather Nicolas Cage was bringing a lot of his own baggage to it. <laughs> because when you see, you know, posters for this and it's like moody and serious as they've tried to kind of make the posters with the like the font and the like woods in the background and everything and Nicolas Cage with the big beard and all that and you kind of think like, oh dear, this is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're going to have another, you know, as is the way with modern Nicolas Cage, the kind of unhinged levels of of uh, of performance not that he wasn't always doing that from the beginning of his career but he, it does seem that he sort of i don't know around the mid 2000s sort of took a around the wicker man days sort of took a jump off a cliff into a complete and utter uh not unknowing because i think he's very much aware of what he's doing but that he became a sort of a parody of himself um so I think maybe I kind of brought that to it, despite having seen him play some rather tragic roles in the past. Like he's not 
unable to give a really good performance even in his more unhinged ways but um <laughs> so like it kind of assumed it was going to be dialed all the way up and that this was going to be of course john wick adjacent which is a a thing that just gets attached to films now because you know if there's revenge involved especially in this one particularly because there is a pet involved uh but <laughs> i know i'm not the only person that of course came to this film with that kind of baggage because oh my god some of the user reviews are hilarious and i'm gonna take a very brief moment to read one from letterboxd because it really is um this is a half star from Letterboxd. Uh, you need to be a pig to understand this. It's bad verging on pointless. About a chef who has a pig... <laughs> about a chef who has a pig nicked. The pig is a truffle champion sniffer. Nicholas Cage is about as talented as his farmyard co-star. It is in three parts. Each one worse than its previous. I had drifted off mentally and then bugger me. It finished out of the blue, waking me up again. What have I just watched? And it's over? Oh, well, George, bring back Animal Farm. All is forgiven. <laughs> Shout out to Simon Frith because a lot of them were just like, this is boring. But that one was quite spirited and I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, there's an awful lot of like, this is boring. This is supposed to be a revenge movie. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, but what I find really interesting about this film is that while the movie around him is sort of like seething with oddness and t going off in tangents it's not quite capable of dealing with, uh, What's so fascinating is that Cage just plays it straight the whole way. And there are some moments of, like, just hilarious, you know, he's shining through, as in, like, whenever he takes the bike and he just screams at the kid. <laughs> like, it's it's only a second. It's it's brilliant. Um, but he never wavers. Like, every, every stare into, like, <laughs> it's just drenched in this, like, dark, melancholy tone. It is really, really interesting to watch. And it makes you kind of forget that, like, you know, he can be funny, he can be manic, he can be all these things. But at the same time, he can carry the weight of a person just, like, riddled with a lot of very long, undealt with trauma. Uh, and, like, I'm not saying that, like, <laughs> the toneless film, the toneless film takes at certain points plus a fully manic cage. I mean... That still would have been great. Uh, you know, imagine like the fight scene of this. Like, imagine that with with Cage and full Cage. Like, it would have just it would have been unhinged. Um, but it wouldn't have been the same. It wouldn't have been as interesting. And I don't think we ever would have done it for the podcast. Um, yeah, this is quite a sad movie in a lot of ways. Uh, it's interesting. You said last week uh, when I said this is going to be my pick. Um, you said, "Oh yeah, it's supposed to be." very sad and I was like ah you know that going in I did not know that going in <laughs> so uh, I knew the very bare bones of what the film was about and I kind of because it had gotten good reviews I downloaded it and I thought it'd be a fun one to watch uh but yeah I was not quite expecting the uh the uh the sadness of when the pig gets taken also apparently the pig is called I think in real life is called apple mm, apple the pig it's like oh my god um yeah, can we give the the Oscar best supporting Oscar to that pig, please? Because never has a pig, never has any animal given such expression and character in so few shots as that pig does. And oh god, um, but uh, everybody is sad in this movie. Um, not just Nicholas Cage. But everybody is a bit sort of uh, sad in no matter what levels of sort of uh, 
success that they have have, uh, have sort of grabbed in their industries. Uh, everyone is just sort of grubby and broken, uh, including the location itself, which I find kind of interesting that there's something interesting about the, not just like the Pacific Northwest, but the West Coast in general. And you get like a little bit of it in uh, Cage gives this whole speech, his whole uh, monologue about the earthquake coming and how there'll be no escape and, you know, this the earthquakes of emotions. Uh, yeah, there's something... <laughs> there's something people call this film pretentious, which I find interesting. Uh, the idea of placing this in, like, the restaurant scene um, and turning it into this sort of, like idea of like almost like a mafia world of like underground dealings and everything like it's funny not that i don't believe that there is a certain level of this going on all the time particularly at very high-end level of like these particular ingredients and, and all that kind of stuff you're dealing with an awful lot of money um well then also the kind of people that in order to make restaurants financially viable etc etc it's a very interesting you know there's a reason why people find anthony bourdain and what he wrote so interesting because it was a, a view into a world not just he's that he was a great writer but it was a view into a world that people didn't know anything about and you were suddenly realizing you know what actually went on behind the scenes in order to create these to get to get these michelin stars or whatever it is a really interesting industry, um, but there is something very funny. It kind of made me th think of like, it's a great comparison for like the film industry as well. That like so much of this is it's a world full of like pretensions and like lost dreams, trauma, <laughs> like people willing and dealing to get money for things, you know. And also like that there's there's just so many like hipster fuckboys involved of like people who have connections of people who are like you know brought up by money all this stuff uh yeah, i just think it's so funny that they said it i don't, I don't know it's because it's portland as well like i just i find that very funny uh but i also like that the fact the film sort of tries like doesn't always succeed at this but subverts an awful lot of expectations not just because it gets compared to john wick but just as a re revenge film in general uh, of sort of setting up this sort of mythic idea of this character where he's uh, sort of like a superhero vigilante or at least that's what you expect is going to happen. It's going to reveal that this guy has all these powers but really the only power that he does have is like professional sway, I guess. But, you know, he he is thwarted by sort of basic stuff all the time. Like whenever he, he unearths his van and turns it on and gets about three yards down the road and the van just collapses and he has to call this like little asshole who obviously is not really an asshole um but just as everything like he his car won't start people won't help him he doesn't have any money you know at every point you think like oh he's gonna get into this like stupid fight now and he's gonna be great and then it's like oh no he's just gonna stand there and take it to make a point and it's like at every point you're just like <laughs> You kind of expect that he's gonna like produce the gun at some point and that it never happens and I find that quite enjoyable. I really kind of respect what it's trying to do like, even when it isn't successful because I feel like it's a film that has an awful lot of heart um, and I respect that because it, it manages to sell a lot of very like clunky things while also injecting certain moments of like real kind of humor like when they're standing outside the guy's house and he's like giving him the shopping list. I'm not fucking moving to Seattle. Fuck Seattle. The scene in the 
restaurant with the guy where it's so intense and so silly, but so sold by the two lads that like uh, the guy they get to play the shelter chef is great as well. But then he goes through this whole thing of like, this is not what it's about. These people don't care about you. They don't know you. And he just kind of like turns around that sort of sits back in his chair and he's like, Derek, who has my pig? It really made me like more fond of Nicolas Cage in a lot of ways. In a ways that in ways that like other movies didn't like um what's the other sort of reconnaissance adjacent movie that he did? Is it Joe? Is that that Yeah, one? Joe would be with uh, directed by David Gordon Green and uh, you mind yeah. Ty Sheridan. Yeah, and I thought that was good. Um was that kind of like less of less of a genre piece, I suppose, than this is. Uh, maybe I'm sort of underselling my film, but I don't remember really finding it that groundbreaking or whatever. But um, some side notes to, to for, before I hand over to you. Um, I was very intrigued as to like how much of this was in any way realistic. Uh, first of all, they don't use pigs to hunt truffles; they use dogs. So there are two movies that uh, I would recommend in uh, conjunction with this film if you have any interest in either pigs or truffles. And one of them is uh, Truffle Hunters, which is a Italian film, which is bananas. It is fascinating. It's a documentary about. Uh, have you seen it? No, never heard of it. Oh, I might pick it. Oh my god, that'd be such a good companion piece. Okay, don't ever watch Truffle Hunters because I might pick it. Um, it's this actually i won't even talk about it but it's a it's a good companion piece to this but it's they use dogs not pigs because dogs are more effective than pigs are but it's still not really that it's not that much of a gotcha for this movie because obviously he's not even using the pig for that but um <laughs> but why would they then steal it uh yeah so uh, uh yeah also just to to conclude um nicholas cage in a recent gq interview uh, recently said that early in life he began to understand the power of food the first time he ate fried chicken with champagne so <laughs> welcome to the podcast Nicolas Cage uh, Ricardo what did you think of Pig well uh, first of all uh, I always thought that um, if somebody was gonna be cast to play Anthony Bourdain in a movie it had to be a mixture of Adam Arkin and <laughs> And Eric Bogosian. And I think that Eric Adam Arkin has never looked more like Eric Bogosian than he does <laughs> in this movie. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. That's that guy's name. Oh, my God. Speaking of succession. Oh, my God. That's so funny. <laughs> but like Eric Bogosian's voice is so much like Adam Arkin's. And then the, have you seen Uncut Gems? I, oh, I started that and it was not a good time. So I, I stopped it because it was too intense. The, well, it wasn't a good time because that's the other Safety Brothers movie. Ah. Uh, but Eric Bogosian has uh, like his slicked back hair in knockout gems, and it just makes him like distractingly <laughs> like Anthony Bourdain, especially because his voice, if you close your eyes, his voice is right there. They have the same Brooklyn kind of accent. Oh my God, I've never noticed that. That's so funny. The other thing that I wanted to mention before getting into it is that yeah i always found nicholas cage cage's uh filmography really interesting because he's never done gone completely off the reservation like bruce willis or john travolta or you know these action <laughs> heroes of the 90s that <laughs> john travolta and his eyebrows and american crime story 
No, it's even... Um, <laughs> His it's little e- eyebrow wigs. It's more like the direct-to-video kind of thing. The, uh, the I'm here for the money. Thank you. I'll, you will have 12 hours of shooting time with me. Uh, the Well, uh, that's uh, the Bruce Willis thing. And then you have body <laughs> doubles for the rest. So even if it's a dialogue saying the back of your head uh, will be uh, the back of a head of a body double that doesn't even look that much like Bruce Willis. I've been really interested in this... Uh, some of the years uh, since let's say you can even see the amount of movies that he does per year has increased uh but usually every year there's at least one or two movies that he does that is not money based you know like color out of space or even something as silly as mom and dad have you seen mom and dad demented movie (laughs) oh god uh the m- upcoming movie that i really want to watch is uh reinfeld oh. the reinfeld that is coming out in a couple of years it's in production at the moment oh, where uh, nicholas cage plays count dracula um but i'm i'm living for it God, right now. <laughs> and uh but uh, yeah, so I always found it interesting that uh, he's uh, moved between these worlds, uh, the kind of indie gems like Joe, Colorado Space, Mandy, yeah. and uh, these cash grabs kind of, I need to shoot in Romania for a couple of weeks or <laughs> wherever the tax laws are kind of uh, uh, lax, if you I will. I need $100,000 by next week. Don't ask me why. <laughs> And um, but it it is the thing that he even in those movies it kind of like he never really completely phones it in, which you have to appreciate his dedication to the craft of acting. I suppose that even in the worst movies, you can always trust Nicolas Cage to not be sleepy sleepwalking through the movie, mm-hmm. even if his choices are very bad. Their choices, <laughs> which he made like, them and he stands behind them. <laughs> but okay, that's uh, enough of not talking about pig. But I <laughs> thirty was, uh, minutes in, <laughs> I think that it is um, quite interesting that I think that this is possibly one of the few movies that the person that didn't pick the movie liked the movie more than the person that picked it. You said that it's <laughs> not a perfect film. Oh I think God, it's a near perfect film. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm so happy. <laughs> oh no, I thought you were going to be like, eh, it's grand. I thought it was going to be one of those. And I was I like, know, no, no. I will I, defend I, this movie because I cried when the pig dies. I think that this movie's uh, dedication to being bleak as fuck and sad as fuck is as impressive as Nicolas Cage's character's dedication to be a filthy bastard. Like... Wash your face, man. But just even from for infection's sake, you know, it doesn't have to be about vanity. Like, come on, like, w- wash your wounds, girl. Wash your wounds. <laughs> I think from the the title, the title for each part. Oh, the mushroom. To Rusted the mushroom tart. To the actual execution of everything, like, to be honest, I don't. I love how. Even when it goes like really weird, like the bit of like the Fight Club that you, we mentioned. Also, it's not that he's um, uh, willing to uh, be defeated. It's not the the they're not gambling. 
Like, if you notice, whenever they get there, they're kicking the shit out of homeless people and they're just paying to decide, like, for the opportunity because the person beforehand was also getting beat up with it and holding his hands behind his back. Hmm. So then uh, Nicolas Cage presents himself as uh, a sort of sacrifice to to in the name of uh, for for the safety of his pig let's say um apple little apple i knew that this movie was gonna be sad but i didn't expect that it'd be um up intro levels of sadness <laughs> maybe it's not, not it's not even that i think that it is very bleak and uh, like there's a complete sadness everywhere like including the fact that there's a diner that doesn't serve pies um was it muffins and brownies? Like, uh, muffins, brownies, and chocolate chip cookies. And then they order the brownies and coffee. Um, I love how the movie doesn't go into describing anything. <laughs> it really just... Le- is the opposite of my complaint with Azor, if anything, that I thought that uh, they had to show that character that they kept talking about. Just purely mm. because they kept talking about it all the time. But this movie kind of just mentions things and just leaves it and doesn't need to explain anything else about anything because everything is in the faces of the uh, the actors. They don't have to explain and everything is in subtext rather mm-hmm. than in context. And there's so many beautiful moments in this movie, even whenever... Um, both the cinematography, the music, the, the the portrayal of America as a complete failed state. That, um, like my opinion of Portland since uh, the rise of the Proud Boys has completely changed. That like something as uh, passe as uh, Portlandia doesn't sit well anymore. You know, it's uh, like no. this idea of Portland as just being a liberal quasi-perfect place it's kind of well the pro boys didn't necessarily come out of portland itself it's kind of like how portland exists within a county that is very rural and very conservative so it's like (laughs) it's just that that's the city that all the like violence happens in but i think that this is a movie it's um quasi-perfect um I don't think I I can't spot really anything that I'd be oh I didn't like that you know, mm-hmm. but even if there was a movie that is very particular and in in an unusual way every single thing has been a decision from the director in a writing or directorial decision, so it's all for the complete um, picture of the movie and I think that just using the the John Wick analogy that has been described or even how the movie has been sold I think it's very clever that he knew how the movie was going to be sold he knew that this is they're going to say oh yeah it's Nicolas Cage, a pig, John Wick there you go and then you go in and get sucker punched into the most depressing movie of the year and (laughs) it's so funny and I think that even like like you said the the thing of subverting expectations that whenever the pig gets kidnapped he grabs this big machete and you expect that at least he's gonna like cut somebody a little bit or whatever but it's 
nothing. No, they had a baseball bat. That, that was yeah. it. And then when you it's see the life. people that actually <laughs> rob the pig, it's like they're so, they're just too sad meth addicts. <laughs> and it's like, how did you get overpowered by that? But at the same time, it's kind of, oh, it makes sense. I suppose that not to uh, piss off any Star Wars fans, that there is. Oh, a, no, go right th- ahead. There's no, like, have you seen The Last Jedi? No. <laughs> is that it's like th- it takes a lot of left turns and people are like oh yeah but it's a very hurting expectation so haha and then it's like yeah but at the same time just not doing what you expect from the movie doesn't mean that it is a good decision let's say mm-hmm. like when you subvert an expectation and it works is when you go of course that makes sense rather than just going the other way and going like that still doesn't make sense surprise you know it's just that it's not <coughs> what i expected but at least if it is what i expected it's like it makes sense logically within the story of the movie rather than oh okay the fuck mm-hmm. but with this movie it really does have an internal logic that it is like a fake universe but it is one that has a reality that is ingrained within it so it doesn't it never lets up you never i I never stop going like oh that's unrealistic you know yeah and also like that a lot of the like things that stop him are very realistic grounded things so there's like this sort of mix of kind of like not fantasy fantasy is not the right word it's almost like surrealism or something where this kind of like mad world of these characters but also like the guy that's standing outside smoking whenever they go over he's such a real person (laughs) you know and that scene is like both funny but also very like where he's just like dave what's up my dude i didn't know you're working tonight yeah is this guy with you listen he's my dad's friend i'm just showing him around and we're just just whatever man he's buddhist i don't care I'm halfway through my shift. I'm very tired. You know, it's like, he's such a real person. It's like, especially like watching this, if you've ever had any interaction with like working in like restaurants or or like catering or service or that kind of thing. It's like, you really, you really understand a certain level of like the base reality of this, that like it is a sort of a strange, unreal world as in that you work very weird hours in comparison to all your friends or people you know. Like a lot of the time you're doing things that feels out of the normal routine of of like daily life or whatever because you're getting up at like noon on a weekday or whatever and stuff and it leads you into this kind of like weird sort of cult state, uh, which is how people end up doing a lot of drugs and drinking a lot because it's like this sort of otherworldly. So I I love the setting of this. I think it works really well. Yeah, like and I love how it it never uh, shows too much that even like it doesn't show Mir's mother, like it just shows her feet. Like, and you yeah. hear the sounds and everything. You don't, like, nobody sits down, like, a lesser writer and a lesser filmmaker would, like, over-explain things. Like, why Lorelei died? Why, how she died? Why does the person that, like, minds her has the wine rack? You know, it doesn't make... Why did they th- keep it? Like, yeah, they, they've kept this wine where in like not a mausoleum what's the name of that where you keep yeah be a mausoleum yeah yeah where it's like a 
as in like a public mausoleum as in like yeah, we have a public mausoleum, plot yeah. yeah same thing same name yeah where it's like kind of in like the basement or something is it yeah and then it's even like i love how whenever he goes to the diner that he's like oh is there brenda and she's like she died 10 years ago so it says like it shows that he has never hasn't left the woods in 10 years at least 10 years because yeah. they said that he went 15 years ago I think that the best thing about the movie is the fact that the pig was dead pretty much straight oh, after whenever he starts mm-hmm. looking for him. And that line, what he said, oh, if uh, if I hadn't gone out for looking for her, she in my mind, she'd still mind. be alive. And oh. then uh, and then Amir goes, but she, then she wouldn't. And, and he, just, yeah. he goes, yeah. And it's such a good link to Amir's mother that is like she's just put up in the machines and it's like Amir's father can't let go. Like everything is linked in such a beautiful kind of like daisy chain situation without ever needing to be over explained or feel that it is there because the film needs it to be there to make sense. Mm. No, sometimes you're watching a movie and it's like, okay, okay, it makes sense that that character is a drunk and that character is uh, driving and this person is a teacher because otherwise the theme of the movie wouldn't make sense. Obviously, every movie is manipulating you, but it works whenever you don't feel the manipulation. And I think this movie really succeeds in doing that. Um, But yeah, like I can't stop gushing about it like and it's the weird thing so that funny. not only did i know that i was really sad is like uh, the um, uh me and a few friends have a uh film chat on whatsapp uh called the for some Jim- reason jimmy the Smith's. jimmy smith's fan club <laughs> um and the, the conversation went into pig whenever the guy started watching it whenever it got released and Everybody really liked it. So not only did I go in looking into, like knowing, and they went in much like yourself, expecting something else and being kind of knocked back by it. And not only did I go knowing the expectation that this is going to be a sad movie, but also knowing that it has a like reputation for being a good movie. So I was already expecting really good things and I was afraid it wasn't going to live up to them. Yeah, uh, and they really did. I thought that, like, if there's one complaint that I have is that David Lynch has ruined any movie that is set in Oregon <laughs> just because of the way that he says Oregon and two picks. Oregon, Oregon, uh, Coop, Oregon, <laughs> oh, <fuck> Seattle. <laughs> it's funny actually, um, because whenever I I suggested this movie a few times around Christmas when people were kind of like, oh, what'll we watch or whatever, and everyone kind of went, Psh, Nicholas Cage, Psh. and I knew Dad was the only one who was gonna watch it with me, and I kind of wish more people had watched it like because i'm like you all would have liked this because it's sad um it, yeah, just out of curiosity it, you mentioned that there's a few things you don't like about this movie i know i was just curious which are they uh i don't like the uh there's like one sh- there's one like violent scene whenever the pig gets taken which is like well handled because it's not very brutal it's very quick it does its job I don't like this underground fight club, but it kind of, for me, that was, it's where it falls in the movie as well. It kind of like, because 
Oh, actually, no, I take that back. I don't know if it had a built up to the scene because it's the scene is not really realistically important enough for the plot. It has to come where it comes. But at the same time, I just, oh, I hate that whole, it, it felt so silly. And like the bit whenever he's like, I like the scene whenever he's giving all the exposition for them to find the like basement and all that stuff and everything. And like, it's kind of funny. It's kind of quippy and stuff. But I felt that the character of Edgar was kind of like, it just, it was a little too far out there for me, I think, within this universe. Even like when you, like the scene where he goes to the chef, the guy he worked with, and the guy's literally like, uh, it was a beef Wellingtons. You know, it's like, it's, it's crazy, but it's so, it's so measured. The whole, the interaction between those two actors and then like Amir kind of being there, sort of being like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, also, actually, I really like that guy's performance. I think his casting is also really good because he, he really embodies that like entitled, but also incredibly damaged filled with insecurities guy even down to like his little mustache his little beard the way his clothes hang on him he is such a like he's not even like a bro he's like something so much sadder you know like he's not even you know because they could have put a real sort of like you know meathead in there you know what i mean Revo kind of a like spoiled dude but this this there's something about that guy's performance and the the way he holds himself it is really interesting and so like he feels small in his car he feels small in his clothes his watch feels too big for him you know like he can't even make french toast without setting off the smoke alarm you know he's like this like sad little boy he just really needs to be like parented and he's like trying to be this asshole, but at the same time, he can't leave Robin behind. He's unable to just let him go, even whenever he like kicks the shit out of his car because he's like bonded with this dude now. And he's like, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. That, that, yeah, that, that, that scene just, yeah, it was a bit, I don't know. It went a little bit too far off in one direction. Um, and I don't know. The, this is going to sound sort of incidental, but I hated the way they dressed Edgar as well. It felt sort of like steampunk or something. He had all these like things around his neck and stuff. And I was like, I don't know. This has gone a little bit too video game now. Just, just, just a little. It was like too far over the line. But everything that happened after that was great. <laughs> so I did, it didn't really bother me. But particularly in the second watch, I was like, I don't like the scene. It felt unnecessary. There must have been a better way to, um, a better way to like, demonstrate both Nicolas Cage's knowledge of having known this and also being completely certain that the thing is still there which says a lot about his character as well of like really knowing people knowing Edgar and stuff like I like that I like the fact that in order to get to Edgar's office he has to go through um, a sort of a like it's all these like hipster food vans and there's all these young people and there's like very trendy music playing and stuff and I was like it just reminds me of you know if you're walking around but used to be the Bernard Shaw R.I.P. with like you know the pizza van and like all the hipster dudes and stuff you know with oh, their the Bernard like Shaw, I, it's uh, their reborn IPs. in uh, Fizzboro. Oh, is it Fizzboro now? Yeah, uh, it lives on. Uh, but yeah, like I I loved this film has a lot of texture, uh, even. Um, like, I like the idea of, of there being a basement that gets covered over and it being used for, like, illicit things. Because it made me think of, like, a city like New Orleans and that there's this all this history just underneath the surface that a normal person would never know about. Um, but it also, the scene whenever, it might be one of my favorite scenes, actually, whenever he goes to the bakery and he's like, do you still have your salted loaves? And she's like, yep. And he, same recipe. Yep. 
it's so like because that the location that they found for that is so perfect it's because it's not like this sort of like bright hipster place it it's there's something kind of like like 90s la about it or something salted baguette wasn't it yeah or, or or salted baguette yeah like there's something or or like it almost made me think of like uh like a Russian or Ukrainian bakery or something, you know, it has a real sort of old school feel to it that I really, it just felt so, and they have this tiny interaction. And at the end, she's just like, you know, thank you, chef or whatever. And it's so simple. We really, really feel like I saw someone complain about that. There are no female characters. And that's when I was like, well, that's not exactly true. There's like a whole relationship with that they you see between those two characters. That's like, not even really spoken about it's just like just the oh we got rid of the curtains and it's like well you know it's like it's all there the whole history of those two people's lives together it's like didn't need like, more didn't need to see a picture didn't need to see anything that's all yeah there's like got rid of the cor- curtains Lorelei Lorelei was right and at the same time it's like there are movies that whenever same way how you can have a movie that is uh, completely uh, focusing on women about women is not necessarily wrong to have a film that is like about men focusing on men but also what this movie does is that because of the lack of women it shows the fallibility of men in a way but also how every relationship that they have and how they behave is by the void of a missing woman yeah. that it, and if you start like you know if you put a like a female character or a few female characters just for the sake of it to go to pass the Besha the Dale test and go oh, okay you know Bechdel. this is not a Bechdel, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> the the Bell test yeah like uh, <laughs> you, you can't uh, make yeah. uh, mac and cheese without <laughs> passing the the bachamel test but it, if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it you're actually making a worse movie let's say i, I think that and in, in a way you you created more lived he creates more of a lived in and real female characters without even talking about the female characters really about them just by seeing it's one of those uh stone and ripple things that you you can see know the size of the stone and the importance of the stone by the way that the ripples in the water behave mm. and you just see the ripples but you can feel the personality of the, each women oh, of the two that's women good. That's that's also i would argue that um apple the pig is also a female character yeah so and it is the thing that I like as well that is not the, like I think that the movie makes clear also that Nicolas Cage's character doesn't just replace his wife with the pig. It's that he genuinely loves the pig for the se- for the pig being the pig. It's not yeah you know John Wick that is like oh the dog but the dog is important because the wife gave me the dog. Is the yeah. pig is just not only the companionship, but it's like this lived-in life that they had together in the woods. Mm. That is, and I think again, the, <coughs> I think that the movie knows that truffle pigs don't exist. It's just oh because, yeah, 
It's just because somebody heard that a guy is using like this magic pig to get the best truffles in the world. I must have it. <laughs> he, the pig must be. And that's why it's like, oh, yeah, I'll buy another pig. It's not too expensive. And it's like, yeah, it's, you're not going to get a truffle pig because they don't exist. It's and not it's the ridiculousness <laughs> of going like, I just want my truffle pig back. Mm-hmm. Also, can we just take a small moment to talk about how like. Do you like truffles? Do you like the flavor of truffles? No, I hate. Tr- I'm gonna say this, and uh, um, out, yeah. if Alex is listening, I'm probably going to the doghouse. But I fucking hate the smell of truffles, and she's <laughs> got obsessed with like truffle oil to put in <laughs> her salads and shit, and it just like ruins the living room. Like it would be eating dinner <laughs> or whatever, and it's like my I, all I smell is fucking truffle now. It's disgusting. <laughs> You could just get so many mushrooms for the same money. And I just, I don't know what, like, why wouldn't you just do that? I, I like. Uh, but going back to Peg, I really like that scene whenever uh, they, 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 he says that he didn't need the, the pig to find the truffles. And Amir goes, so we did all of this for nothing. And he goes, no, I love the pig. I love her kind of thing. And it's so, so, so touching. I have to give a shout out to the sound design of, of even like, like because obviously it's, it's you know, it, pigs have personalities. They're an awful lot like dogs. They completely, you know, you could completely see their emotions and everything. And like, um, uh, but because of how movies work, you have to assume that not all these sound effects are coming naturally out of the pig all the time. Um, so I'm assuming there's a certain amount of like having to use Foley and whatever of like, you know, the pig moving and the pig sounds and stuff to kind of denote emotion through the pig. And uh, it's really incredible of just him kind of being like, there's one point whenever he gets really upset because he puts it on the tape and the pig is over and he's like, I'm okay. But you just hear the pig kind of be like you can almost hear the pig saying are you okay <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah the the sound design is, is really good i i even thought about the sound design how good it was whenever the, he's walking to his old house uh and uh, oh, yeah. you just hear like a little bit of music and the it's music like has dusker. A, it's isn't that yeah, it's kind of dusk and the the music has a kind of like violin but kind of like some bright sounds in the background that i can't quite place kind of almost like bells or something like a metallic sound but like bright it's quite pretty and you just hear like the birds and like his feet against the concrete but nothing is really call attention to itself but everything is just the right tone to create a certain pacing and emotion and then you have another lovely scene of him talking about the the fruit tree. The oh uh, yeah, uh, with this I love child. that. How this guy walks into the garden and the little kid's just like, "Yeah, I'll have a conversation with this kind of scary-looking man." <laughs> I don't think we have a persimmon tree. No, it's okay. Did 
it's such a scene that you know what I mean of how like he's not just sitting in his backyard there's like a whole world going on behind him and it gives you an awful lot of context to this child's life as well I don't know he's sort of sitting there by himself for all these adults or having a lovely with this time weird there. instrument that is like a yeah. circle <laughs> I was like, I, it would not surprise me if my mother had one of those. She has a lot of like mad instruments, um, like things that are made out of vegetables and stuff that are like, you know, like you're like, that couldn't possibly make a sound. And then someone plays it and you're like, oh, my God, that's amazing. <laughs> um, it's a movie that is just trying to be itself. And I think that there is yeah. uh, uh, very few films that are able to do that, especially whenever a you have Nicolas Cage, B is the first time director sees an independent movie because obviously the movie got probably picked up and paid for because it's John Wick with Nicolas Cage. The way oh, that yeah. you sell it. But that's then, a very good point. And I think them leaning into that is completely fine as well. And like I don't think they did very much. I think it's more that just people jump to that conclusion in their minds, which is fine. But like it's not like the director was out there being like, This is not John Wick. Blah, blah, blah. You know, it was just like just 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 say and think what you need to you go in and watch this film <laughs> and then uh, i think that it is a movie that doesn't try to be you know sometimes it becomes it, it can become a critical darling in, in a way whenever a movie is not trying to please critics i think that yeah. if this movie wanted to be pretentious it could have been very easily pretentious because a movie with these ma- this many monologues <laughs> I know, and I hate monologues as well. Could be so uh, so easily cross over a line from emotion to pretension. Part of it is also that none of the mono- monologues explain anything. They're kind well, of just there for texture. Yeah, well, it's more that they sort of like are thematically relevant rather than like they're not plot points. But, but even time, the, but even the ones that are there that'll be like thematically or plot points like whenever Mir is talking about his mother, the point is not the story, even though okay mm. he's planting the thing about the dinner that his parents went there. The point is that he's lying that his mother is dead. Mm. So it's just there for him to be saying like my mother is dead, which technically she is because she'd be brain dead, but um. It shows the difference between him and his father without having to say anything else. Why mm. the relationship is the way that it is or whatever. It's not about truffles. <laughs> exactly. It's not about money <laughs> or power or territory. The Nicolas Cage has with the, your, the chef. He's just so disappointed with your man because it's like, I fired you because... Not only you were like bad at doing what you were doing, is that it clearly wasn't your passion to be that kind of chef. And when I fired you, I asked you, what is your passion? Like running a British pub or whatever. It's like, that's what you, you have to do then. And then he's doing this fucking weird shit with like smoke and you oh, know, deconstructed that whatever. so well done. Today's journey begins by uniting the depths of the sea with the riches of our forests. We've emulsified locally sourced scallops encased in a flash-frozen seawater row blend on a bed of foraged huckleberry foam, all bathed in the smoke from Douglas fir cones. And also, it's the, the, the saddest thing in that scene is when you realize that the pig is dead. So your man's entire like plan for the his winter menu 
to have like the f- freshest truffles or whatever because yeah, even that it's, isn't <laughs> it's already gone and he doesn't even know about it yet you know like it's uh everybody is sad past present and future and <laughs> oh my like uh i yeah i really like this movie i'm very glad that you picked it <laughs> i knew that we were gonna have fun talking about it no matter what um but i'm glad that you realized it i seldom been so happy by a movie that is so sad because i think that is a it is a deeply deeply bleak and sad movie but i think that it is a movie in its deepest uh, regresses to a movie about holding on to what you have but also the importance of the things that actually matter in the world and how lucky you are that even i don't think that any of the characters are sad about losing those things because they're glad that they w- had them. Uh, yeah, so what was your favorite thing? <laughs> I think it was the movie. Like, <laughs> like I think that, like, I think it'd be very easy to say Nicolas Cage's performance, but I th- it is like a um, rather reserved performance by him but i've seen enough of his performances to know that he's capable of doing that and i don't think he ever stopped doing them either um so it's not that much of a surprise uh that he is able to go where he goes in this movie it's not like i don't think that he never needed like a uh um reconnaissance or whatever like the fuck because he never left let's say I think that it's the heart of the movie that is because every decision that the movie makes is towards the solid goal of really driving a stake through the hearts of their characters. Like not in the bad way per se, it's like making them face their suffering in a way that I loved how there's no like real scene of catharsis even either. There's no satisfaction anywhere because everything is like life doesn't have those moments. It's like I think that the speech at the restaurant is ridiculous, but at the same time, so correct the idea of following your passion because that's it. That's all that matters. Nobody gives a shit about you. And I like that he, even though Nicholas Cage says like, oh, I remember every dinner or whatever. He's not saying that if you make good meals, people will care about you. No, it's that mm. nobody's going to give a shit about you anyways. So just do what you want to do rather than what you think other people want you to do. Every little piece is successful in its execution, the music, sound design, cinematography, screenwriting, performances, uh, production design, everything that is involvement. I, I, I bet that even the catering was good in this movie because everybody <laughs> seems to be in, in the top <laughs> as well. Like you, you can't have bad catering if you're making a movie about food. Like, come on. No. But, <clears throat> and for a 92 minute running time movie, it feels both weightier and uh perfect for the the running time i reckon then years to come would be a good example of movies that like a screenplay that people will be taught in the film school about how to use 92 minutes oh um, you really like this film holy shit <laughs> so what was your favorite thing <laughs> i think it's kind of like the relationships with current 
forming and also obviously past relationships because so much of this is like people who have not seen each other for a long time but it's also like relationships with people who are you know no longer with us um past relationships etc um but you know seeing the formation of his relationship with um amir is very interesting as well that they've sort of been forming this kind of like you know separate kind of connection i suppose where it's all just like monetary or whatever um but then seeing their relationship develop and kind of believing that it will continue somewhat into the future is sort of interesting now that they have revealed themselves and their real pasts to each other that they both become very like raw uh to each other which is kind of interesting um but yeah and I just, because it is kind of like Nicolas Cage's performance, but everyone else is so good as well that, like, it would be really shit if, you know, he was the only good performance in this film. Because even, like, Alan Arkin is barely in it. But, like... Adam Arkin, well, not Alan Arkin. Adam Arkin, sorry. I was like, don't say the wrong name, don't say the wrong name, and then, of course, I did. Uh, what was your least favorite thing? Pick something. I think that... Um, okay. Just in the matter of semantics... Whenever we say this is not what we didn't like about the movie, it's our least favorite thing about the movie, yes, usually. Which, yeah. So it would be the f Fight Club thing, but I'm not even, I don't even have a problem with it. I think it thematically it works in the movie and what it's trying to say, even in as a setup to both Robin as a character, Amir as a character, the city, the environment, everything. I think that the movie will be lesser without it. So I wouldn't take it out. Uh, if anything, it could be mildly a little bit too over the top but it'd be like it's very nitpicky for me to to criticize it and you can see even in like production wise kind of thing how like they manage the budget throughout the movie almost <laughs> yeah. you know and for an independent <laughs> movie it's like super impressive like uh, to be able to make me feel that way while watching the movie but also completely forget about it but it's memorable enough that whenever i look back on it i can almost it's 90 sometimes we sit here and i watch the movie okay it happens that i watched the movie yesterday but there, sometimes we sit here and we're talking about a movie that i might have watched yesterday and i kind of fucking struggle to remember what i watched because i don't take <laughs> notes and uh, and which is pretty obvious but i think that um <laughs> that with this like i can almost remember the entire movie from start to end scene by scene line by line and it's very rare for a movie to really stick there and i think that the reason for it is the emotional backbone of the movie really drags itself along and i think because the backbone is there for you to remember one moment you have to remember another moment and another moment and another moment without what was your least favorite thing um yeah, I think it is It is that, that fight scene. Um, in saying that, though, like, I was thinking there, uh, you know, what you could replace it with, because I think it is a good... Um, I like the idea of the sort of secret nature of it. Um, and, yeah, I was thinking, though, like, whenever I was watching it yesterday, I was like, it feels like the kind of movie where, like... Well, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like this kind of movie, but a lesser movie, it would be, like a speakeasy or something you know and you know how like people try to put like you know 
or it would be like a there'd be like strippers or something you know like if you watched all squid game yeah you know that bit when they have like the high rollers and you're like it's like the worst part of the entire show it just seems so like we'll get into the accents or whatever it's not that it's more like the 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 damage the addition the, the attempt to like to like to like show how decadent or how like illegal or how like depraved something is and you're trying to like do it but you're doing it with like either not a lot of money or no insight or no creativity so it just ends up looking kind of cheap and sort of stupid and it's like you know like so i feel sometimes like billions does this a lot where it's like they're trying to like demonstrate how like debricked debauched like characters lives are and stuff and it just seems so watery you know? i so, remember a review of billions that is like a movie about billionaires with a millionaire's budget <laughs> yeah just the polar opposite of succession in that sense um yeah and I, i'm just i'm very glad i think what you said there about the film uh really using its budget to uh to great effect is very very true not that like you know choreographing not that this is really a fight scene but like you know there's a lot of like you still have to make it look painful and you know uh, there's a lot of sound design and editing and all this stuff that's involved within a scene like this um it's not that this money doesn't cost money but um, i'm glad that they directed the money the way they did because it could have been and even the very little, tedious and even the little thing like his, the scar under his left eye that just get the bruise gets bigger and bigger as the move progresses and gnarlier and gnarlier and just for continuity wise it'd be a nightmare because you can't change chop and change scenes once you've done it it's that's the way it's gonna go but also it's like how realistic that is when you see in movies that somebody gets like punched up and the bruise just gets worse and yeah. worse a couple of days later you know even playing football sometimes i get a kick in the leg and when i get home it's like it's a bit sore and then i wake up the next day and it looks like somebody like shot me with a <laughs> rubber bullet or something <laughs> yeah bruises are funny like that it's like sometimes you're like i don't even remember that happening um like i have a pitch uh yeah and i think like when you really notice it is in moments like whenever he washes his face whenever he gets back to like his cabin and he's in the water uh and he uh, actually, in talking about the cinematography, there's a really great opening shot in this. Whenever he's like in the in the water, um, and it's just overhead, it's it's really beautiful. This film has a very nice uh, opening scene, but um, yeah, but he washes his face, and it, you can see he really winces. But you know, it feels so real as he's like touching his face with the water, which is also a very difficult thing to achieve with makeup and like all that stuff. So. Yeah, a lot of love was put into this movie by everyone. I'm going to read an article now about how everyone had a terrible time and the director was a lunatic. And <laughs> I doubt that would be the case in this case. <laughs> I hope not. I actually didn't uh, read a lot of articles about it, so I can just pretend that it's... Uh, anyways, yeah, fuck, we gotta, <laughs> we oh, yeah. gotta wrap this up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was Pig, uh, available for rent now. Uh, highly recommend. Also, highly recommend people go out and watch Truffle Hunters, except Ricardo, because I'm gonna definitely pick that someday. Um, uh, yeah, go watch this. Watch, watch Lamb. Watch, <laughs> watch Kai. Watch First Kai. Uh, watch Gunda. <laughs> uh, yeah. So if they wanna go back and watch, um, what's uh. 
Werner Herzog movies. That's that's Nicholas Cage adjacent. <laughs> uh, where can they find us? They can find us on the recommendation game at gmail.com, at the rec game on Twitter, the recommendation game on Facebook. You can find our back episodes on your podcaster of choice or on the Dublin Digital Radio Mixcloud. You're also uh, welcome to join us on the Dublin Digital Radio, uh, in Dublin Digital Radio, every second Monday, 11 to 12. Next week's film is Ricardo's pick. It is. What are you picking? I'm picking To Be or Not To Be. 19. Which is not Shakespeare. 42. 42. Yeah. Fun, fun time in history. A lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. We are here at uh, Fun with Fascism Radio. Uh <laughs> oh, God. Not Poland, oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> Until then, uh, I was Orla Mingles. And I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>